This morning we're, we're, we're in uh, Genesis. We're talking about Abraham, Abraham and Sarah. Uh, we're not going to cover all of Abraham and Sarah's story because that's from chapter 11 of Genesis all the way to chapter 25. And we could be in here for three hours covering all of that and miss a ton. Uh, we're not going to do that. Uh, but in the idea of connecting the dots with covenant and kingdom, covenant relationship, kingdom partnership, um, we're going to co- cover a couple areas here of the Abraham story. And, um, and a couple areas that I think that are, that are important for us here today, and the things that even actually this week has taken place, um, and even today uh, that has taken place even just this morning. But as we dive in, um, we're going to be looking at, um, focusing on a, a, uh, Genesis 17. So you can go there and just kind of mark your spot there in Genesis chapter 17. But as we talked about before, Abraham and the Abrahamic covenant is, is a significant one between God and Abraham. Because with Abraham, it's the covenant with Abraham and all the descendants who will come after him. It's a promise that God is making to Abraham and to Sarah for them right where they stand in the relationship with God, in their setting and in their time. But also, this is a covenant, a promise that will continue on for generations that are coming after Abraham. And it's a pretty significant covenant that God is willing to make with Abraham uh, because we've come out of this story with Noah and God making a covenant with Noah, but really Noah had nothing to put towards that covenant. There was no like give and take in this regard. It was just God saying, look, I'm going to put this bow in the sky, the rainbow in the sky, and it's going to be a reminder for me never to do this again. I will never destroy the earth like this again. And that will be a reminder for God. So God takes the sign of this covenant, puts it in the sky so that God will be reminded. Noah has no, uh, like he doesn't have a, a physical hold of that, of that sign, uh, but he gets to see it as well. But that is a reminder for God that he will never do this again. Uh, in regards to destroying the earth and, and, and relationship to Noah. And then he, he tells Noah, right, look, be fruitful and multiply. Do the very things that I asked my creation to do in the garden. Do that now as you've come off the ark, off the boat. And here with Abraham, we see something different in this covenant because there is an exchange here. And it's an exchange with, with God to Abraham, and it's an exchange with Abraham to God. It's both ways. Um, and so I've asked um, our reader, so Jordan... Where's Jordan at? She's in the room? Yeah. Come on up. I've asked Jordan to read for us this morning. Um, so Jordan's going to read Genesis 17, chapter 17, um, starting in verse 1. Okay. Got it? Yeah. Okay. When Abram, Abram was 99 years old, the Lord appeared to Abram and said to him, I am God Almighty. Walk before me and be blameless, that I may make my covenant between you between me and you, and may multiply you greatly. Then Abram fell on his face, and God said to him, Behold, my covenant is with you, and you shall be the father of a multitude of nations. No longer shall your name be Abram, but but your name shall be Abraham, for I have made you the father of a multitude of nations. I will make you exceedingly fruitful, and I will make you into nations. And kings shall come from you, and I will establish my covenant between me and you and your offspring after you throughout their generations for an everlasting covenant to be God to you and to your offspring after you. And I will give to you and to your offspring after you the land of your sojournings, 
all the land of Canaan for an everlasting possession, and I will be their God. Thank you, Jordan. Can we give her a hand? All right, like I said, Abraham's story goes from Genesis chapter 11 all the way to his death in Genesis chapter 25. But here in the middle, in Genesis chapter 17, uh, we've get, we get this picture of this covenant that, that God is, is going to make or is making with Abraham. And so to give context, though, where we come into Genesis chapter 17, God has already told Abraham, Abram, I am, I'm making this covenant with you that, that, um, that you will um, have your descendants... Um, will we'll out, we'll outnumber the stars in the sky. He's already told this to Abram, right? He, he tell, in, in chapter 15, a couple chapters earlier, says, this is the covenant I make with you. But if you follow the, the, the story here from 15, chapter 15 through chapter 16, what you have is, is Sarah and Abraham trying to make this work, the very covenant that God was going, is, wants to make with Abram, Abraham and Sarah devise a plan of how it's going to happen in reality. So the, the, how it works, God says, I, I am going to, to make you the father of, of, of nations, right? Lot, lot, many descendants will come from you. Well, they don't have any kids at this point. No children. And right, even in 17, we find out he's 99 years old. Long past, right, childbearing and, and he and Sarah. Okay, and Sarah, at this point, they, they haven't had any kids. And so God tells Abram, tells this covenant, I, you will have many descendants. And so what does Abram and Sarah do? They try to work this out for themselves. Right? Well, we, we dive back into this story of what is sin. Sin is choosing to be independent apart from what God has and what God wants. Rather than, so we choose to be independent rather than dependent on God. And when we're independent from God, we're choosing our own way, right? We fall into this cycle of sin. I'm choosing to be independent from what God has for me rather than be, de be dependent upon God. God offers Abram a covenant promise in chapter 15. They see their circumstances and they think, I don't know how God's going to do this. And so why don't we figure this out for ourselves so that God's promise can still happen because he clearly doesn't know how old we are. And so then they have um, their servant uh, Hagar and uh, she, um, Abraham has relations with Hagar. They have a, they have a child, Ishmael. Uh, and so here... They think this is how it's going to be. We've worked this out now of how God's covenant will, will play out through Ishmael. And here we come back into chapter 17. And, <laughs> and God comes back to Abram and says, no, look, you thought you knew what this covenant was going to be about, but you didn't trust what I was going to, what I was going to do. And you tried to work it out on your own. And doesn't it sound like what Adam and Eve in the garden were experiencing when, when the serpent came in, when the, when, when the deceiver came in and said, surely you're, you're not going to die. You'll just become like God. And hear more of this deception of like, clearly God doesn't know how old we are, or that this isn't really possible, and, and, and we, have, we have been trying for our entire married life, and, and here we are still without children. But God says, this is the covenant, this is the promise of what's going to come. I'm going to have all kinds of descendants. 
right? The, out, well, the, the stars in the sky, my descendants will outnumber that. That seems massive. And we don't have anything. So let's work it out ourselves. Let's be independent from what God has in store for us. And let's choose our own way. And when they do that, all kinds of brokenness comes out. As you can imagine, the relationship between Sarah and Hagar did not go well after that, as you can imagine, right? It's like, who, who, didn't, who didn't foresee that coming? Okay? Who, did, who didn't foresee that coming? You don't have to have watched a, uh, uh, a, a um, I was going to say telenovela. Is, is that just me? <laughs> I'm just trying to learn Spanish. But you don't have to watch a, a TV show to know how this ends up, right? It's a 30-minute sitcom. Like, oh, I didn't know that that was going to take place, that the relationship would, be, would, be, would struggle and, and would not work out. I, it's, I, how did you not guess that? But they're trying to be independent from what God had already set up, a promise God had made, trying to work it out for themselves. Oh, this must be how, how this works. And yet God comes back in chapter 17, it says, I will establish my covenant between me and you, and I will multiply you exceedingly. Abram fell on his face, and God talked with him, saying, As for me, behold, my covenant is with you, and you will be, my, uh, be the father of a multitude of, of nations. Uh, verse 3, Abram fell on his face, and God talked with him, saying, As for me, behold, my covenant is with you, and you will be the father of a multitude of nations. No longer shall, you, shall your name be called Abram, but for your name shall be Abraham, for I have made you the father of a multitude of nations. And here we see this, this, this uh, two individuals, God and Abram, God and Abraham becoming one. No longer will you be Abram, but you'll be Abraham. Later on in chapter, um, in chapter 17, we find out that Sarai is also going to have her name changed from Sarai to Sarah with an H. So the, remove the I, add the H. There is rabbinic tradition that earlier on in chapter 12, when God says, I will make your name great, that there within that statement, God is proclaiming to Abraham, I will give you a piece of me. And if we know in Hebrew how God's name is spelled, Yahweh, there are two H's. Yahweh, uh, there, there, in the Yahweh there is an H and all the vowels are silent. Yeah, get my grammar right. Um, and that God is going to give himself to Abraham and to Sarah. No longer will you be Abram, but you'll be Abraham. No longer will you be Sarah, but you'll be Sarah with an H, right? Giving them new names, giving them new identity. Not only new identity, but a shared identity with God. Shared identity with God. In the same way, we, we can, we can re connect the dots back to the garden, Adam and Eve, Right? I have created you. You are in my image, Imago Dei. And I am giving you a mission to carry out, to be my partners in this world, Missio Dei, the mission of God. It calls us back to the garden, to this creation of, 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 his, of, of man and woman, Adam and Eve, giving you new identity, new name, Abraham, Abram to Abraham, father of multitudes, Sarai to Sarah, princess, and even with their son, who they're even told what his name will be, be Isaac, right? Because when God tells um, Abram that, that Sarah will be the one to have a child, not the descendants coming from Hagar and Ishmael, but from Sarah, and you will name his, and his name will be Isaac. And what's Isaac's name mean? It means he laughs. Right, because not because Sarah laughed later on in the story, but because Abram laughed out of joy. Right, out of joy that Sarah will be the one 
who the descendants will come from. So not only there, is there a new name, there's also a new look. And we hear about this later on in, in, in chapter uh, 17. But there's going to be a new look, right? So there's a new name, God giving him, look, I'm giving you a piece of me. And you will carry this with you. I'm giving you a new name. But I'm also going to give you a new look. And this is where the circumcision comes in, in place. You are going to look different. There's this, this sign you are going to carry, it's no longer going to be a bow in the sky, but this sign you are going to carry, now that I've given you a new name, I've given you a piece of me, you are going to, to have a new look. You are going to bear the scar of this covenant, of this sign. You are going to wear it so that you will be reminded of this connection, this promise, this covenant, this relationship I am calling you into. You will be reminded at every turn, at every time. You will carry this scar, you will wear it. Um, This is so that you hold the sign of this covenant promise that God is making with Abraham and all the descendants after him. And that's what we read in scripture in chapter 17, that this is not just for Abram or Abraham. This is for Abraham and all the descendants that will come after him. You, all your descendants will wear this sign so that you can be reminded of who I am, God, who I am and who you are because of me. And I'm calling you into relationship. I am calling you to be my family, to be my representative here in in this world so that all that come around you, all that see you, all that, that come in contact with you, all that you are in relationship with know that you are mine. You will look different. You will act different. You are my people. It brings us closer back to the garden if we are in the, made in the image of God, created for a purpose of God's mission in the world. You will now not only have the shared name, but you will have a new look. You will carry the sign of the covenant, not just for you, Abraham, but for all generations to come. And you will be reminded that you have been set apart to be my people in this world, to be my representatives in this world, to look different and to act different. And here's, and here's the hard part, is when we no longer act different from the world or look different from the world, no one can tell. Biggest downfall for Christians in the world, in all of humanity, in all of time, from Abraham on, has been when we stop looking different than the world, no one knows, no one can tell. And we start acting uh, the same as the world, no one can tell. No one can tell that we've been set apart for a reason and for a purpose, set apart because God has created us in his image and set apart to be about his work in the world. And so there's this covenant relationship that God is making with Abraham, both in in, in a new name and a new look. There's also a kingdom partnership that God has called Abraham into, and he's told him over and over again, chapter 12, chapter 18, chapter 22, there are these these, partnerships Uh, kingdom partnerships, these invitations that God is calling Abraham into, right? To be a blessing to those that are around you, to bless those who are around you, um, to... um uh, to bless the nations, to, be, to, to pursue righteousness and justice, right? These look different, act different than, the, than what exists around him. All that we read about from, from chapter 11, from the introduction of Abram, uh, all the way through chapter 25 of Genesis to the death of Abraham, we see that the, those he came in contact with were blessed in being in, in, in connection with him. Those that came to harm him that didn't go well for those groups, right? For those tribes. 
But those who came to be in partnership with Abraham, to be in relationship with Abraham, it went well for them. Right? There was a blessing that flowed out of Abraham to those who were in relationship with him. And that God was calling Abraham to bless the nations, to pursue righteousness and justice, and, 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 and to see uh, about this different look and this different act of you will be my people in this world, my representative in this world. Right? When, um, after they have, have done the circumcision, they get, they get three visitors that come to their tent, right, to Abraham and Sarah. And this is just after the circumcision. So he's, we read in scripture, he's, he's back in the tent, he's resting from minor surgery, um, and from all of his tribe, all of his men in his tribe having this minor surgery, and they're resting. Well, they have the three visitors come. And when these three visitors come, Abraham, it says, leaps up and goes out to meet them, these visitors, these travelers, and welcomes them into their tent. And then he asks Sarah, go, go make some bread. For three visitors, do you know how much bread he asked her to make? 60 loaves. 60 loaves for three visitors. That's significant, right? And, and likely for their travels, but this is the, the, after they're wearing this new look, they're wearing the sign, they have the sign of this covenant from God. They have this new name that within their uh, interaction with people around them, the people that come and in, in, in to visit them, there's a, this hospitality that exists. We're going to welcome them in. We're going to care for and tend to their needs. We're going we're to go to the extreme in our hospitality. What is it that you need? I'm going to go beyond. What is it that I can offer you? We're going to go beyond. And to the extreme, I mean, 60 loaves, three people do not need 60 loaves, Right? And yet, that was the extreme of what they were going to offer them. They were going to care for them and tend, for, tend to their needs, uh, give them what they needed. There was this, they, were, they, were, they, they had recognized we have been set apart to not only look different, but to act different. Our engagement with those around us was going to be above and beyond whatever it looked like in that time. We were going to invite in relationship and to partner and to, um, and to offer hospitality and so that we could bless those who were coming into our presence. This week, um, some of you got an email from me or someone who was pretending to be me. Um, I, I hope and pray that none of you followed up on that, but um, this, the scam went out as uh, this is Pastor Devin, and I'm, I'm with various messages that I know about, but the, um, this is Pastor Devin, and, and I'd like you to get some gift cards for uh, our staff, because I'd like to surprise them. Another message was, I'd like you to get some gift cards, because I want to surprise those who are battling cancer, I want to give them a gift. And although the heart of this was evil, as it wasn't me asking, the response was only kingdom. People came out of the woodwork and said, are you trying to email me and what do you need and can I help? People would come in here, this, this message went out on Tuesday, Tuesday evening and then all throughout Wednesday and people were coming in here Wednesday saying, yes, I want to help. What is it that you need? And I pray to God that there aren't 
more people who, who were doing what this person was asking, which was to take a picture and send it to them because then they have access to the money. But the response of God's people and the response of C3 was of, I want to go above and beyond what is, is the request and say, yes, I want to help. And here's my, here's my encouragement. Because we, we, we're in here and we're a part of this church that sees a need or hears about a need and responds graciously and with a heart of giving. Here's what I want to invite you into is if you know someone who's in need, if you know someone who's battling cancer, if you know someone who's going through a difficult and uh, broken relationships in their life, if you know someone who's struggling with their relationship with their kids, if you know someone who has anything going on in their life that may, you, you recognize may be difficult, here's my invitation for that and my encouragement. Write them a note. Give them a card. Go see them. Go visit them. Call them on the phone. Send them a text. Take them out to dinner. Love them. You don't need me for that. My Kairos this week, and Kairos is just like a moment in time where God was speaking and I was like, I recognized. My Kairos this week was that though the heart of this message was evil, the response of God's people was kingdom. And I don't want, I don't want what we experienced this week, um, I don't, what, the, what our church went through this week, I, I don't want the evil to overshadow what God is wanting to do and calling us to do in our everyday life. And here's your, here's your encouragement and invitation. If you know someone in your life that's within this church or outside of this church family and you know they're going through something, encourage them, whatever that looks like. And in ways the church wants to come alongside you, it ought to be us saying you, hey, can we give you a gift card for that, for that person that you're going to reach out to, Right? Can we cover whatever that is so that as you are seeing kingdom breaking in because you're responding to him, can you be a part of it? Can, can the church be a part of that? Thank you for reaching out this week. Thank you for saying yes. Though it wasn't me, thank you for saying yes. You are a giving and loving church who when, when you rec- or hear that there's a need, you are responding with a yes. With a yes. Thank you for that. We will do better at making sure we don't have foxes in the hen house. We'll do better. But thank you for your response. It speaks to your loving nature. It speaks to your willingness of hospitality that we are going to go to the extreme to love and care for those who are around us. When we know that there is need, we will reach out. We will say yes. We will, we will respond with the love and care that God has called us to because we recognize that that's what's been given to us. We will respond in that manner. I want to I make you aware that there's a gifts class coming up in, in a couple weeks, July 9th. Uh, it'll be in the family room across the commons at 9 a.m. This gift class is to explore what are, what are your giftedness? What are areas that God has put within you that you can utilize in your everyday life? 
that you can utilize in the family of God, that you can utilize as a part of this, this church family. What are your gifts? What has God put within you? As we hear and, uh, and read about Abraham and Sarah and their, their desire to be hospitable to the nth degree, what is your giftedness that God's put within you? Is it serving? Is it exhortation? Is it giving? Is it, is it the gift of prophet, prophecy? Is it, um, is it teaching? Is it, is it pastor? Uh, is it evangelism? What are those gifts he's put within you? How has he fashioned your heart? And how, how has he created you, wired you to respond to the movement of the Spirit and say, yes, Lord, use me, I'm ready. Many of you who responded this week have the gift of giving. Have the gift of hospitality. Have the gift of serving. Because you were the first ones to say yes. Though it wasn't me, you responded out of your giftedness. Do you recognize that? Do you recognize that you are saying yes to Jesus when there is an invitation to respond to a need that exists? I also, I also want to, within this gift class that you can not only identify your giftedness, you can know what it looks like to use your giftedness. That to, to have a gift and not to use it for God's kingdom and what he is doing in, in his invitation to partner in his kingdom work we lack in that, in, in, in those cases, we lack just a fullness, a fullness of life, right? There's gonna be ups and downs in all of life, but when we get to utilize our gifts and to know that it is, uh, there's a work of the kingdom going on and I'm utilizing what, how God has made me and I'm getting to see and be a part of his kingdom breaking in for brokenness to be restored to wholeness, for hopelessness to be, um, to be pushed out and hope to, to be in that place, for hatred to be pushed out and for love to exist in that spot, that there's fullness in that when we get to utilize our giftedness. I want to make you aware also that in, in October we have an opportunity of hosting the Pacific Northwest Association of the Church of God. And that's a super long name. But the, for the PNA, it is, we are part of the Church of God. Church of God, Anderson, Indiana, it's where our home base is. But as a movement, uh, in October, we get, to, we get to host the churches who uh, are in the Pacific Northwest Association. So far, far, far up as the border at Canada, far over as some uh, five churches in Idaho, and then all the way down into the northeast corner of Oregon and Pendleton, and then all the way up to us in the southern part, where we're in the southern part of the PNA. We're going to host the churches here in October. And people are going to come in, and they're going to, we're going to worship God, and we're going, to, we're going to be grateful and thankful for a God who's called us into his kingdom work. And a part of this movement, then um, we, we get to, we're a part of this bigger family. It isn't just us in Centralia. We've got churches up in Bellingham and over in Spokane and down in Pendleton and here in the middle of the state in Yakima and all, all around. We have 47 churches in the PNA. And each one of them are gonna get an invite to come here and be a part of this gathering as the Church of God and the Pacific Northwest Association. As these 47 churches get an invite, here's our opportunity to practice this kind of hospitality that we see Abraham and Sarah offering these, these three visitors when they come to their tent. When they come in, we get to, we get to welcome them care for them. What are your needs? How, do we, how, how can we pray for you? How can we show you where the, where the restroom is and where the food's going to be? And how can, we, how can we go above and beyond being a host 
for these 47 churches that are going to come here, and we're going to celebrate that we're part of something bigger than just here in Centralia. And there's a network that exists, and there's a network of what God is doing in and through each of us, each of our churches, and each of us individually, in our communities, and we're seeing the, God, the, we're seeing the kingdom of God breaking into these areas, Spokane, Bellingham, Seattle, us here in Centralia, Olympia, over on the east side, uh, down in, in, in southern, northeast Oregon, and in central Washington, in all these places we get to celebrate there there is a network of people who are saying yes god i want to i want to be your agent here in this world to to utilize my giftedness to utilize how you have created me what you've called me into and to see that take place right we get to we get to welcome these 47 churches right in here worshiping god singing praises to him making these networks, these relationships stronger, we get to do that in the beginning of, of October. And here's a call out, an invitation to all of us. Because we're the host site, we, get to, we do get to, to offer them and show them what this hospitality looks like. What it looks like to come and be a part of a church family that's bigger than just us. And to encourage and to lift up and to, and, and to find out what are those needs that exist. How can we be praying for you even as you're here? And how can we be praying for you as you go, as you go back to the place that you call home? How can we lift you in prayer and stay connected? And with this, with, with Abraham, back to Abraham and Sarah, with Abraham and Sarah, they are not a perfect example of this covenant, right? I mean, God already called them into covenant and they tried to figure it out on their own. And then God reminded them, no, this is what I'm calling you into. And although with Abraham and Sarah, uh, we have all kinds of examples in, in, in their relationship with God and with each other and the world around them, they're not perfect examples. But we do have hope for a perfect example. We do have hope for rest- restoration and for reconciliation. And that person is Jesus. And God has planned to recover the ground lost and to restore relationships that were broken and destroy the enemy that stood opposed to his creation, opposed to the way the garden had, uh, how how it it ought to be. And he's calling us into, here's what it will be, church. Here's what it will be, and he's calling us into it. And it will require one who will live in a perfect dependence on God, not independence from him. One who would live in a covenant relationship with the Father and a kingdom partnership with the King, who is becoming who has become one a shared identity Jesus son of God right when Jesus uh, when, when Mary and Joseph find out they're, that they're going Mary's going to have a child they're going to name him Emmanuel God with us are you connecting the dots church God with us it's in Jesus that we hang our hope it's in Jesus that we find restoration and this hope of reconciliation uh, it's in a new name right Emmanuel God with us in a new look He willingly goes to the cross, bearing the scars of sacrifice so that we have a way way back to God. He's the perfect sacrifice. He he has offered himself up so that through, through Jesus, we might have eternal life. And where Jesus says, I'm the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father except through me, it's because of his becoming one with the Father, the Son of God, bearing the scars of his sacrifice so that we have a way back to God. It's, it's in Jesus. And all these, all these 
lines we could draw between the, um, the garden and creation, between Abraham and Sarah and this covenant, and between Jesus and what he has already done on the cross, it's an invitation to us to live that kind of life, to live in relationship with God, to live as the redeemed ones, to relive, live as ambassadors of the ministry of reconciliation, so that what we experience this week with a scam going around to every one of our emails, we can recognize that in the evil of its heart and its tent, intent, we can respond in kingdom, in kingdom ways. We can respond in being a hope for the hopeless. We can res- respond to say, look, there might be all kinds of evil that exists in this world, all kind of brokenness that exists in this world. And it's even right in our backyard. And we don't have to look very far to see where the evil exists. And we can be people who are about restoring the things that have been broken, about being a part of this ambassadors of reconciliation, uh, uh, renewing and restoring the relationship between us and God. In the same way that God was doing that with Abraham, Right when he says it in the beginning, I have called you into this relationship, into this covenant. Abraham and Sarah try to do their own way with Hagar and Ishmael's born. And then God reminds Abraham, no, I've actually got a plan. I've got a plan for you. And he's got a plan for us. And it's in relationship with Jesus that we get to live it out every day. Every day. I pray. I pray that as we, as we take some time to respond and to hear the voice of God and, and, and what is God saying to us and how will we how will we respond to him? I pray that what, what you hear is still that invitation of, look, though Abraham may be on his way down the mountain after uh, God asking him to sacrifice his only son Isaac, and they go up on the mountain, and then a ram appears right as he's about to plunge the knife through his son's heart. Yeah, read the rest of the story. It's incredible. Uh, and, it, and it's hearing God. And it's hearing God, and God provides a sacrifice, a ram to be sacrificed. And we don't know how that conversation or, or what Abraham was thinking on the way down the mountain with his son Isaac. But I wonder if he thought, hmm, God, you asked me to sacrifice my only son, the one you said my descendants would come from. God, what would you be willing to do? God, what would you be willing to do? Would you be willing to sacrifice your, own, your only son, God? Would you be willing to put him on a cross? Would he bear the scars of this covenant you're calling me into? I pray as we reflect and hear from God that those are some of the questions that are maybe ringing through our, our heads and our hearts. Jesus is calling us into relationship. He bears the scars and the sign and the desires for us to say yes to him and walk in his way. And how can we respond? Let's pray. Lord Jesus, you are a good God. And though there are all kinds of stories in in scripture, even the story with Abraham, that sometimes don't make sense. Why would you ask Abraham to go sacrifice his only son, the very son you, told, you said the descendants would come from, that kings would, be, would come from this line? God, I pray in our response we'd be faithful. Faithful to hear from you and that, that God, what you call us into, we'd be obedient to say yes, Lord. I desire you most of all. Above anything else, I desire you, God, in my life. 
lead us, I pray. Amen.